Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Talking. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Sherry. And we're here again with another podcast. Before I get to telling you what this podcast is about, I just want to remind our listeners that Sherry and I are old, retired SLPs. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just here sharing our own thoughts and opinions based on the experiences that we've had over the past 40 years. So, (laughs) (laughs) So you can take that for what it's worth, but I mean... Of course, we think we're on to something, but we don't know. You tell us. (laughs) So this week, we are going to talk about readiness to learn, which is a, it's just a hot topic. You hear it a lot. One of, and you hear it in different contexts. One of the things that I hear from parents is, how do I know when my little guy is ready for school? And then there's the bigger picture of, you know, I have a class, I'm a teacher and I have a classroom of of kids and I don't think most of them are ready to learn or are they ready to learn I'm not sure and what are they ready to learn so we're going to talk about that whole gamut of readiness to learn so share let's start with some of the factors that for optimum learning that kids need yes well again um, I think that when you look at the big picture of a child uh, you're as a speech pathologist, there are a lot of other factors beyond communication skills that we're interested in, uh, you know, knowing about. But there's just so many dynamics and problems. Um, an example would be, say, family stability. And, you know, we have a lot of children we work with, and, and they're in, just in general, the family unit has changed. And what that looks like for a child at home, um, things like... Um, Technology, this is the biggie, right? Uh, The children's involvement in social media and how that's um, affecting their learning. Um, The amount of screen time that they're using and what they're doing with that screen time. Um, Other factors that we deal with, uh, and you and I in our history of our, our profession in Saskatchewan, is generational poverty and that is just a huge big factor that's affecting learning and and um the other one i can think of is uh the amount of time children have at school that is productive time that they can relax get focused Mm -hmm. um and there's i find schools to be hyper in comparison to what they were when i was sick growing up yeah things and again you know things can be dynamic and have children you know talking and but I mean there is also a certain level of energy that you want to get to 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 maximize children's learning. COVID has really had an impact on the learning I hear from the speech language pathologists that are working in the schools now they're seeing a huge huge number of children with speech and language issues because there was no school for so long so they couldn't be seen they couldn't have the help that they needed and um and I'm sure there are people who are dedicated to looking at what learning um problems have resulted because of COVID Mm -hmm. but of course there is the social emotional component um there was the actual time component but there was the lack of structure the lack of of uh, social interaction and play it was just it was such a huge uh, lifestyle change yeah and so yeah a lot of children and teachers have have kind of a trauma notch there yeah yeah 
Um, and it was kind of chaotic during COVID too, because some kids were home, some kids were not, some kids were, and then they were back and forth and, and trying virtual just, yeah. teaching and, yeah. and then parents being under a lot of stress. I mean, right. they changed the stress level for the family yeah. unit uh, and it, in, in the load that the family had, but also financially, you know, right, the, all right. of those things. So after that, there's then after COVID, there's a real pressure to how can we backfill then the, yeah. any children's lags, yeah. right? How can they catch up? Um, and then uh, there's structure. Uh, structure I find is is a really important one for, especially for small children because they don't have that ability to regulate themselves. That structure needs to be external you know they need to have that rules and regulations yeah and and not to be not in a mean way but it's in a comforting way they need to have you know a consistent bedtime a consistent meal time a consistent routine you know the whole thing. and in the school day they benefit from the structure yes, to absolutely. going from this to that and knowing what the consistency of knowing what is going to happen next yeah and, and being yeah. able to transition from one thing to the next they know and and they can predict and right plan um, and then I've, I've seen so many changes in play in children. It is remarkable to me when I see a three or four or five-year-old child who is given, say, a play center like a house, and they don't really know how to play. You know, like, I feel like, say, even 10 years ago, if you would have given them a playhouse and say three kids, they would have immediately gone, okay, I'm the mom, you're the baby, and I'm going to get your lunch, and I'm going shopping. You know, there was a whole scenario that they could create. And now they seem to tend to just kind of play with the materials, but not... Or not a, interact with each other. Yeah, even. yeah, and not in an imaginative way, so... And I think somewhere along the line, I'm thinking the dynamic there is that they lost the model. Like, I remember yeah. when I you know years this is years ago mind you <laughs> we had probably had about 30 games we played on oh yeah on at recess yeah. oh yeah and yeah. you know we had all red th- rover and duck duck goose all the all mother those may games. i yeah. hopscotch yeah. chinese skipping yeah and i think somewhere we lost the models or i don't know how that happened but yeah um so who is, I mean, they've never heard of Chinese skipping, maybe. Who's yeah. ever going to teach, teach them? them? Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, so I, all of that. Or even when we were kids, my sister and I played library practically every day. <laughs> <laughs> my sister did become a librarian for a little while afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, we had all of our little books at home. She'd put yeah. a little card in and <laughs> had to sign it out. And, oh, and, that's so funny. Yeah. And so, you know, just things that you think of are Barbies. We, we've had yeah. that structured play every day. Well, even like outside at home, we played animals. Like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm the dog and you're the cat. And, oh, I hurt my paw. And you know what I mean? Like there was just this story narrative going along with these made-up animal roles. And I also think that language part where someone is is explaining or speaking yeah. and someone is listening and following directions, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. you have that exchange all the time and building it from the time you're... And then negotiating small. because it's like, no, I don't <laughs> want to be the baby. <laughs> and that that's huge in, in uh, social skills, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And so then uh, changes in resilience. Um, and that's a hard one to measure, resilience. Like how how are kids able to sort of 
bounce back from a difficulty. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not sure how or or why exactly that's changed, but no. But we talk about it even as people as they go on that helicopter parent who's always yeah. there, always helping, Having, doing doing more fixing. than they need to. Yeah, yeah. fixing. Uh, you know, yeah. I I definitely I had uh, a parent who, um, at eight years old, she carried her child from the car into the school. And he could walk, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just keeping him a baby. You yeah, know, she it was yeah. just in her mind that he needed help, and and, she and was it was there hard to give on. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's a big, big boy to carry, and she wasn't yeah. a big person. Yeah. You know, um, and just fixing like if they if uh, two children one takes a toy from the other. You know, you don't have to fix it all the time. Let them work it out, you know. Or if someone falls and hurts their knee, they don't need an ice cream cone. They just need a hug. You know, yeah. like, they, they, they need to work through it. Yes, it hurts. I fell. We, we, yeah. we get over it and we move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, and it used to be, again, you know, there was a lot more, uh, oh, uh, suck it up kind of attitude, yes. yeah. you know. and Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a factor, definitely. Yeah. And the last one uh, we had talked about, I think, was uh, socialization. That children, uh, play, they play differently, but they socialize differently than oh, we used to when so we were true. kids. Yeah. 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 We physically got together. We rode well, our bikes to. together. We yeah. went to the park together. We, yeah. you know, uh, called each other and wanted, can you yep. go swimming? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And nowadays, children are much more isolated than they used to be. Yeah. Uh, and they want to, you know, be at home, maybe on their devices, you yeah. know, more. It's or, more or, of a comfort level to be at, at home, to be isolated than we were just desperate to be with our friends because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> well, and, and that's a fact. Like, I mean, when you yeah. factor in, you know, yeah. no, no uh, computers, no uh, well, social media, no, in, in the early days, not much TV. <laughs> right. Yeah. Back in our yeah, day. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was a necessity for sure. And so, yeah, we have to uh, look at that and then uh, adapt to what we see in look, looking at, you know, uh, why are children coming to school with less skills ready to sit and work in the classroom, mm -hmm. right? So when we're talking to parents about, you know, uh, do they, does my child have what they need to learn? We need to look at the entire child and it needs to be individualized because every child comes to school with a different set of, you know, foundational situations and skills and experiences and so we can't just say, have a blanket statement of, well, all kids are starting at this point because they aren't. Yeah. And I think way back in, in our training, and I can remember in university, really enjoying team meetings when everybody got to the table and you could listen and understand and, and uh, see all the dynamics that were happening to the entire child. But my experience in the Saskatchewan schools is, that has been an uh, that has been a really difficult Very factor. Difficult. I think because again, not not uh, any uh, standards provincially or within the school division. It changed. I bet it. I bet the way it worked or how we talked about children or had team meetings. 
I bet it changed 10 times in in the time that I was in school. Like it it just never was consistent and it never got going well. Right. I don't know what your experience was there. My experience was very limited. Like we had, I was involved in very, very few teen meetings. It was more conversations on the side, on the fly, an email here, a note there. There was no you know, real sitting down and making a comprehensive plan. And I think you mentioned in our training, that's what we were trained to do. And when we worked in the U.S., that's what we had to do because it was mandated. Yeah. Um, And so to not have that, you're kind of working at a disadvantage because you don't have the knowledge that the rest of the team has. You're working in isolation. And I think that can lead to sort of crisis management and just, you know, little little targets here and there rather than looking at the whole child and figuring out what are all the dynamics that are happening and what should happen. So what what I had um, at one point that we had got organized a little bit at our school division is we did come up with a flow chart and a, and a model of how we would gather the information in all the different areas. And so if we were talking about that model top down, Okay. I'm going to say, well, there's three factors. The first tier or the top part of the model, maybe we won't use tier, but the top part of the model is academics. And that's where we're headed to, right? In that's the, the goal. Yeah. That's yeah. where we're going. And so the teachers and their training and their focus is on, um, you know, some of the main um, um Oh, subject areas like English language arts, math, science, social studies, physical education, arts ed. Can you think of any others? Yeah, no. And I think, and there's sub ones under those, of course, but, but yeah, those are the the main ones. And that's what their training is. And that's what, Mm -hmm. and that's again, overall, I think what SASC uh, education, the ministry has been looking at overall uh, and but as time, you know, as we've developed, they've realized, oh, there are other aspects that children need assistance with. And so then in came the other paraprofessionals that work in the school division, like speech pathologists, occupational therapists, the psychologists, the counselors, um, and social workers, all of those those people. And so if, if the, so that's the top, that's the goal, that's the top layer or tier, if we want to say, and then if, if everything else is in place under that, the, uh, the other, let's say, two tier, the other two levels are in place, then the child will be successful in English and math and science. Potentially, and so, right? Potential, right. They'll be successful to the degree that, they, that is their potential, right? So, so that's what we're looking for. We're looking to get them ready for that. So that second tier, for lack of a better term, I, I would say it's like the skills, capacities, competency uh, tier or level, level two. Um, and so that is, again, um, looking at the areas of um, cognition. Um, that would be like um, more the psychologist realm, but um, intelligence, processing speed, memory, executive functions and and that's kind of that the whole coordinating of your brain to be able to to coordinate things and then meta skills you know uh, 
people being able at some developmental level to step out of yourself and go, um, I'm thinking about my own ability, say, to do math mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and thinking about what they can do themselves to help out. Uh, another area under um, the skills, capacities, competencies is... Well, our favorite, communication. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's our favorite. We could talk forever about that one, but yeah. we'll probably go through it really quickly. Otherwise, we get derailed. <laughs> so that's the speech sounds. And uh, the so the speech sounds, the, the way you say the sounds. So you don't say um, wascally wabbit. You say rascally rabbit or something like that. Phonological awareness, the ability to hear the different sounds, and um, that's I always really use important. it to perceive and manipulate sounds in your head. Oh, that's there so you go. fantastical! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, my, and mine is the mine is to perceive that somebody said "wascally wabbit," and not "rascally rabbit." And and the phonological awareness. Sometime I'm hoping that we could maybe do a, a podcast and a blog on on it as a topic because to me it's just so crucial to it is and kid and, success and it's so fun it's just such a fun and it interest, is well it's an inter interesting one to me i guess to speech paths, yeah, to speech paths. <laughs> and then of course there's language and we've done a whole uh, uh you know language a whole blog and podcast on, on that developmental language so, disorder you know, dld the, yeah, yeah so the ability to understand what people are saying and to use language to express your thoughts and needs and wants and then my favorite of the language ones is the social communication it? it's my favorite oh yeah it's my favorite <laughs> so those would be how you interact with others and if you're successful in those interactions and some of the disabilities in in that area would be autism or selective mutism and I love working with those kids love it and then fluency that's a difficult area for me because I just feel like we don't have enough support here in oh, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Just but have never been able, I, in fact, made a conscious effort not to say we're doing study right. therapy. I, you and I both did over yeah. the years and say, you know, this is not something that can be just dabbled in. And yeah. it, harm can be done. So, yeah. yeah, there's fluency, stuttering itself. And um, then there's also... Um, uh, normal non-fluency that again you we can help kids get by but it is developmentally that that area of the brain is just not uh, as developed it's the one that's lagging behind and so children do struggle to stay fluent um and then there's voice uh, so those kids maybe who have cleft palate or vocal nodules i don't see vocal nodules as much as i used to it's not interesting Yes, well, I, again, it, it was an area that I think got kind of ignored, yeah. <laughs> in all fairness. Because mm -hmm. um, for the most part, it was, because it requires a medical um, assessment prior to um, providing intervention, it uh, sometimes put up a barrier for families to get mm -hmm. help there. So um, our first area was cognition and then communication and then motor skills, which is more in the, the field of the occupational therapist, um, but gross motor and fine motor skills and, and those areas right. in how and that's involved in actually even a child's ability to have the stamina to sit up in their desk. Oh, yeah. Or to hold their pencil yeah. and, and have mm -hmm. um, the fine motor skills. So there are a lot of dynamics there and certainly 
the OTs have um, are are finding that children are lagging behind in those skills as well compared to what would be expected of children um, of their say, uh, say a group's chronological age, mainly because again they just don't come to school as physically fit. They haven't right. done all of the running around outside and and manipulating yeah. things yeah. and all of the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. And then there are senses, um, the processing and regulation. Yeah, so the if your senses, like your vision, your auditory um, senses, your ability to feel, your tactile senses, your um, proprioception, which is the the movement sort of, and and then there's also kinesthetic uh, skills where you'd know where your your hand is or you'd know where you're um and and then um the last one is like vestibular senses and that's uh, uh, your balance and um so and just little examples of that would be you know there are children who it is a disability or a delay in their development that keeps them from actually say putting up their hand to stop a basketball that's coming at their face and they just don't have the skills to quickly react and all of that's not coordinated or again they do have trouble um in in gym or um if in some instances with sensory problems there's just too much um information coming at a child too much auditory information or sometimes not enough or, it, or it can, visual, yes. It can, be, it can be too much information or it can be not enough information. And the body's ability, just the brain's ability just doesn't allow them to regulate that. So again, you, you do, do hear of children who, it, they just have to wear um, headphones yeah. to block out sound at times, like mm-hmm. the fire alarm or going to an assembly or that, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of information and that wasn't, we didn't know this no. even, you know, 20 years ago. All mm. of this area, all of these areas are developing and we're understanding and knowing more. And that's the exciting part to me mm-hmm. of education. Mm-hmm. But then if we go back again, that first tier was academics. The second one was skills, capacities, and competencies. And that's tier two or level two. But think of all the things we've talked about, all those elements all the way along factor into a child's ability right to that, learn math that or learn all those science. things have to be in place they have to be yeah so they have to ha- they have to have balance they have to have be able to process auditory sounds they have to have the gross motor skills that help them sit up in a desk they have, they have to, to have the social skills to <laughs> to uh, interact with somebody and not so the and, other person doesn't think they're as rude <laughs> right or to to interact with somebody without hitting them like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah all kinds or of, to sit in your seat or any yes, any yeah. of it yeah or to stay still and to listen and to take turns in a conversation there's so many so many different things that need to happen. So all of those things with regards to that team of paraprofessional, or not, well, colleagues, I should say, not paraprofessionals, but it would be, you know, like the OT, the counselor, the speech path, all of those people have to do their own um, screening, identification, uh, uh, assessment, and then programming for all those areas. So you can right. see a, it is a myriad of, of, of issues that can come up. So then after that, 
academics would be at the top. The second one down would be the, um, the skills. skills, capacities, competencies. And then the bottom of that tier or pyramid is readiness to learn. And it has its own um, factors and areas of, of concern that need to be um, measured and, and information gathered to see if they are contributing to a child's difficulty in learning. And so they would include things like... Health. Health is a, an important one. Obviously, if you don't have your health, you're not going to be learning too much. Um, and then environment. Oh, well, before we go on to environment, <laughs> um, with health, we can talk about nutrition. So that's a big one for our our kids. Or if they have some type of a diagnosis, we need to know that. Um, uh, sleep is important to our kids. Their physical fitness, we've kind of already talked about that. But even things like allergies and their immune system and their energy level. So health is is a big one. And you want to have everything in place as, as much as it can be. I mean, nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to have the absolutely perfect diet. But have everything in place so that they're, they come to school and they're ready to learn. Yeah, and, and so the next one under readiness to learn after health would be, say, environment. And uh, we do know that um, children are in um, uh, sometimes dangerous environments, sometimes... Chaotic. Yeah, um, uh, environments where there's addiction, environments where there's a lot of transiency, um, and, and again, um, we need to know that dynamic or it's helpful to know that dynamic to know if that would be a contributing factor when a child comes to the door of the school. Mm -hmm. yeah. That they might need that, you know, little bit of, we can't just expect them to just jump in. They might need that little bit of extra, you know, comforting and figuring out ways that, you know, or even just to recognize the reason they aren't following the rules is because they've never done that before. They're not being bad. They're not, you know, trying to be uh, disorderly. They don't know how to sit and listen to a story. So, and we, uh, you know, do have a layer of of um, colleagues also at that level that that th their exclusive jobs are to bridge between the family and and do the social work and do the counseling and, and uh, even community workers that um, just do some running to help support families that are in those, those sort of crisis um, right. environments sometimes. And so what kind of experiences have some of our kids had? You know, some of our kids have had rich, rich ex preschool experiences. You know, they have, you know, multiple sets of grandparents and, you know, babysitters and siblings and aunts and uncles that have... Have been to Disney World right. and the beach and the well, ocean just, and... The you know, <laughs> although I've been to Disney World, that reminds me of a friend of mine said, are you taking your kids to the fair? And I said, well, yeah, I probably will. And my youngest was two. And then she said, her her oldest was two. She said, I've decided I'm just going to open up the fridge door and let them look in there for the day. That'll be as exciting as the fair. 
for a two-year-old. And I thought, you know, she's right. Like, let's see what's in the fridge. Ooh, it's gold. All these things are gold. And then my experience with my my little niece, and, and we went to Disney World, and she was, she would have been seven, I guess. But she... Uh, wished that we could just spend the time at this pool at, yes, the, at exactly, the motel. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So she wanted, she needed that gross motor and that water sensory. And well, that's and, what and she, it was overstimulating. To be, uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's what yeah, it was for the most so, part, you know, how that goes. Yeah. Um, and the experience part um, that I can think of with regards to experiences is, again, the children who are transient enough that, they don't come with the same level of experience, school experience that other children have. So they may have missed more than half of the school year, or they miss, uh, you know, a month, and then they come back, and then they have to try to settle with new friends, or they go to a new school, and and so their their basic experience is there's no disorder per se in say some of the capacities and competencies. But the delay has made them as though they were, you know, a year behind their peers mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's emotional health and regulation. And that's a, a huge, huge area. Um, so it's it, it, every child, well, every person needs to build um, and maintain uh, interpersonal relationships and they, and in order to do that, you have to be able to process your feelings. So you have feelings, you have behaviors, but you need to be able to process those and you need to understand what's going on and react appropriately. And um, you can't do that unless you have been nurtured and also taught to, to do that. And you have to go through it to know everything's yes. going to be okay. Yes. I, you know, I've cried, yeah. I t- had a tantrum, and but yeah. at, at the end of it, everything's okay. Right. And, um, you know, that how well that problem solving, how well the, that breakdown in emotions yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. But I also think, again, from a, a you know, neuroscience uh, um, slant, is the whole thing about just that neurochemical reaction that actually from one neuron to the next, it just spills out and it makes so many um, uh, neurons react. And it wasn't the intention of the child to have so much emotion pour out. It's just that the brain um, doesn't have the regulatory system um, sophisticated enough to manage that, that actual chemical reaction in their brain right. so it's not behavior no. per se it's just a misfire of the brain and, and that's they, and that's the, the process that they need to go through and that's they need that calm adult that can react appropriately and help them work through it and move on and see that yes everything is going to be fine it's it's just again if i use the analogy of writing you know holding your pencil and when children are really young it's hard to even grip their pencil and then it's then it's hard to make a circle and then they learn to make a circle then they can make a little person well it's the same thing with emotional development as well they have to start with a little bit and then gain more skills and gain more skills and then they become more and more, quote, quote, in control of their emotions. Right. 
also, and then there's um, uh, attention and the and uh, distractibility and impulsivity. Yes, for sure. That more in the realm again of the psychologist, but it it is uh, such a factor. And we talk about uh, attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And that's been, oh, how many years? That is one of the most known areas of knowing why children can't get to that readiness point that um, other children are at to be able to sit and focus. And um, it's because they're, again, their brains are not um, developed in the area of, of holding and maintaining attention or or something really it um, moves in the corner and they turn to look at that or they you know um, all those things around distractibility and the psychologists are able to again um, do uh, you know first of all just to determine through observation with the parents permission if a if a child is having any um, difficulties in this area they kind of have a checklist and and then they would determine whether a more formal assessment needs to occur and then sometimes again beyond that that is something that a psychiatrist might get involved with a child um, psychiatrist to determine if any sorts of medications would help the brain um, uh, get back and because if a child can't maintain attention it there is a possibility that um all the rest of the learning up, up above it, all those skills and capacities and academics and everything, they'll never get there. No, they'll never be right. able to get there because right. they've got this one issue that's um, holding them back. The other thing that comes to mind around attention, though, is, and we talked about this, I think, back with DLD, but um, if a child is struggling with the development of language and... Uh, we know that they can sort of be sitting in a classroom that's like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. So sometimes it's not attention first. Sometimes the fact that a child cannot um, understand and process language, it, it would be the same as uh, any of us sort of watching TV in a, a different language. And so how long would <laughs> yeah. you stay with that program? Yeah, Not no. very long. You're going <laughs> to start looking over to see what's happening outside the window or whatever. So it it's not the, the DLD is the cause and not attention being um, the, the primary factor. And the other um, area, one more area under readiness to learn that is a, a critical uh, piece of the puzzle is sensory regulation. Oh, no, maybe we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, about having the headphones on. And, yeah, yeah we sorry, talked. I, I That's think okay. I, I, I digress. <laughs> Do you have any attention? <laughs> I must have, you have wandered off you have, there. You have attention, you don't have memory. Yeah, memory. There you go. <laughs> That's what we're both lacking. There you these go. Days. <laughs> Oh dear. So so these what we've just talked about are the the building blocks and and everything needs to be in place in order for successful learning to occur at that very top level, that academic level. Um but how do we get there? How do we get to that? And and so I guess we've ta- we've touched on it a little bit, but I think it is that team approach. It has to be. It has to be that you're looking at the entire child, right? And to me, you also need to have a, a model, like like we talked about. If you just put it out in a schemata, and, and you can look at our blog and have a little look, 
if you look, if you see it in a schemata, then you can see how it flows and how each little tiny component could be an issue. And um, at the school division that I had been involved with, it it was kind of exciting because we got to the point a little bit that we we were formalizing that. And then you could look at each one of those things actually from an, an RTI approach. So for example... Response to intervention. Oh yes, sorry. sorry. Response okay. to intervention, which is which is the level, the amount of resources you sort of... Uh, Need. Yeah. yeah. So the, the uh, green level would be uh, if we say we would just pick vision and uh, we would just do a, a check with the team at, at the meeting and go, does, does anybody feel this child has any vision problems at all? You might look back in the um, child's cumulative folder or you might have, you know, made a, an inquiry before the team meeting or whatever. Child, child's had their vision checked just last year. So that is green. But mm -hmm. we also might have children that... They're going, well, it is, I mean, we can't rule it out because we right. don't know whether he needs glasses. He, he does seem to, you know, maybe have issues that we've noticed or whatever. So that child now in that little uh, aspect of the all of these factors then would be uh, yellow and referred, you know, maybe for a uh, an assessment, phone phone the parents or the caregivers mm. and say, could you get his eyes, you know, checked? And then we do have children also that um, after they've got their vision checked, they we find out they have some sort of eye teeming issue. They've got um, um, lazy eye or whatever, and they are red then. They, they need some assistance and they need some intervention, and it needs to be intensive and frequent. Right. Um, so that would be an example, just vision as one of them, but you could take each one of those things, right? right? You yeah. could take attention, you could take speech sounds, you could take mm -hmm. um, any any of the things we've talked about. And then you need to have the time to collaborate. And if, if I was going to pick one thing in Saskatchewan that we're lacking, it's that time to collaborate. At least at least as a speech pathologist, I don't know, maybe some of the other professions like psychology and occupational therapy perhaps and social work, maybe they found that they had more time, but our caseloads did not allow a lot of time. It was the thing that was given up. Yeah. Yes, it, yeah, the collaboration yeah. was was one of the things that was given yeah, up. Yeah, one of the <laughs> But... Uh, yeah. And again, there there are no provincial standards, and I think right. probably there are school divisions who maybe do a lot better job at it than others, and and right. smaller and teams that do better than others, or even yeah. schools that do better than others. That would be our request to the listeners today. Would be you know what's working? If you know of something that's working, could you share it with us, and we would pass it along. And what what um, what are your ideas about that? But. And then you have to have the, the system to gather the information. So you do, and, and I think we've talked about this multiple times, but you do need screening, you need checklists, you need some way to know where the child is at. And I mean, a checklist can just be check, a teacher checking with the family. Does he, has he had his hearing checked? Has he had his vision checked? You know, what does the doctor say? When was the last doctor visit? And and, yeah, and, and this each student does have a student cumulative file, and sometimes that information is in there, and it's a matter of going there and finding out well, how recent is it or what, what's happened. But 
Yes, that's probably, if I were saying in this model that we're talking about, you know, academics, um, the skills and competencies, and then the readiness to learn, it's that you don't have to just guess in the big picture. You can look at this this model and go, is there anything anywhere? Mm-hmm. And, find, and have structure to it, right. uh, and rather than just kind of be, as I say, a crisis... Uh, um, intervening those putting out fires or whatever and you had given an you had given an example of uh a child that you saw that was in an older grade where there had been no team get togethers (laughs) no team meetings and so the the child's um potential hearing loss was missed and missed and missed and missed i know which child you're talking about yes it was again that follow-through and it was just so tragic because it was a student who um you know in looking through the cum file he'd had speech therapy he'd, he'd had phonological intervention for like three years he'd had then he went on to just working on specific speech sounds then he had got um like more identified as having reading struggles was the next thing. And so then it was the lang- language assessment and phone awareness was uh, done course, yeah. and it was in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but looking back in the CUM file, I, I bet probably there had been maybe six times that I, I can't remember exactly, but many times that hearing had been flagged read did not pass did not pass did not pass but that follow-through never happened and <laughs> here it turned out that he did have a moderate uh, uh, loss that's fairly and, significant oh yes school and, yeah and yeah. he was he was operating probably about three or four years behind his peers and uh, and then finally yeah at in grade four got hearing aids and yeah. Think of all he missed, you know, yeah. all the sounds he missed, all the speech and language he missed, yeah. and all the opportunities for learning that he missed. And his own understanding and sense of self, right? Right. Because I, I mentioned to you that it took a couple of years after he had his hearing aids and then, you know, they gone into sort of the meta-skill part and, and he really realized he he had hearing loss and it was devastating for him. We then they then the behavior came out, right? right. It was, yeah. That, yeah. This that's why again something like this system of model thing, right. all the way up to because, identifying those things. Because what should have happened? So that was he was identified as potentially being red or yellow in kindergarten. Yeah. So what should have happened then? Like there should have been some follow up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, and and that's going to be everything that that we're talking about if there is a potential deficit there needs to be some follow up and yeah because again it wasn't just one year it like the child was identified as red with hearing right kindergarten grade right. 1 grade 2 grade 3 like it had right. been identified yeah. it wasn't that the screening wasn't in place yeah um it's yeah it was so. definitely a miss so we need a framework, right? We need an actual system to be able to, to do this province-wide. And again, like you say, maybe some of the schools already have this in place. And if so, we'd love to hear from you. And I think what we presented today is, is a framework. It, it yeah. is, you know, again, if you, if you look at, go to our blog, we'll try to put it up, up in a schemata for you. But um, 
starting somewhere. If, if you're a school division or um, if you are a parent or um, a teacher or whatever, I'm sure that you would actually welcome being able to just not feel like it's just endless as to what the problems could be, uh, but rather you systematically would go through and out of the, you know, I want to say 40, 40 things that we've we said there could potentially be a snag, you can find the three, three that are red, there are seven that are yellow, and, and then, you know, that would be... Um, some place to start and not feel overwhelmed and get targeted, do something intensive, intensive and frequently uh, so that it has outcome. Very you good. know I had to fit outcome in again. Well, outcomes, <laughs> you and your outcomes. No, I'm with you on the outcomes, definitely. So uh, what what you're saying is you you feel like you're hopeful that this is... Oh, this totally. Is I, I, was, I was really excited when our school division was heading in the right direction. Now I don't know whether they stayed with what I was thinking about, but... Uh, yeah, it was. It is. It is a complex issue. It's complex and yet it's simple, right? It's like complex to implement, but simple in principle. In principle, we just need to look at all these areas and make sure the child has all of the necessary foundational skills so that they're ready to learn. That seems simple. Yeah, and I think trying to think of the process and the efficiencies, and I think because we do have technology today. Not everybody has to be around the table when you're gathering all these areas of information. But when the uh, we've got all the information and it's pulled together, or as, as much as possibly can be, that's the point that you could uh, maybe quickly uh, virtually meet and not yes. physically meet, but yeah. just uh, can we have our half-hour meeting and, and we'll identify... Uh, what's red and what's yellow and, and what and next steps yeah, next steps goal, so that we keep moving forward goals and programming right yeah, and measurement yeah. right yeah absolutely oh I think well, we've got it all figured out okay okay awesome <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody else will be glad we did well that's done <laughs> well I think we'll probably end it there this was kind of a, a one of our longer podcasts so we'll we'll probably Leave it at that. We're trying to get you people all ready to figure this out. (laughs) So for Let's Talk Talking, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Sherry. Let's Let's talk. Talk.